We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen. We are contractually obligated to provide this podcast, despite the fact that Week Seven may have been the least entertaining week of football I've consumed in my adult life. Like yeah. I, I can't recall a less inspiring week of games on a Monday morning than what we just witnessed yesterday. And everything in football is so rooted in recency bias. Maybe the Sunday night game has like really pushed me over the edge. A six-six tie, that that'll happen, right? Like, like, it was bad enough before that, right? Like there, that discussion had started midway through the mid-afternoon games. You know, you, you start seeing the the quips on Twitter about like, God, this is awful, and like it's been building the first six weeks of the season, and it seemed to reach its peak. Uh, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, as the Falcons blew a late lead and the Buccaneers blew out the Niners, and there were, I mean, it was uninspiring game after uninspiring game in the early slate too. And then we get a 6-6 tie in the Sunday night game, marred by two basically missed extra points, like old extra points. Right. Not, yeah. even, not even missed new extra points. Like these were chip shots. I mean, which, which missed field goal was more egregious to you? Hauschka. 
Hauschka, right? Hauschka didn't even hit the. I mean, if you, if, if you no hit, pressure, you hit the side of the the upright, or you hit the post. Okay, well, I, you you were at least close. Hauschka just missed right. everything. I've never seen anyone hit the post that squarely as Catanzaro did. I mean, that, that ball like bounced basically directly back at him. Um, bizarre all the way around. And and yeah, I mean, Seattle comes out. They had a big play to Doug Baldwin down the side or Curse, I think, down the sideline, and then Baldwin has a big catch and run. So they basically have what first and goal from like the five yard line. Mm-hmm. Should have just taken a cue from Arizona and just just run it in at that point. Yep, just run it on in there. I mean, I looked at this game, and at first I thought, okay, the defenses are good. But the more I thought about how the offenses were functioning, there should be more than six points from those offenses against each other's right. defenses. That should have been at least 17-14, like a, a watchable mm-hmm. lower-scoring game is what you should get when the Cardinals play the Seahawks, and we didn't get that. And, you know, you diagnose this one. Carson Palmer's missed time with injuries. Russell Wilson, not himself right now. He's not mobile. They can't use him the same way they typically do. I think that's a big factor. Mm -hmm. And aside from that, I mean, two teams that are good against the run, against passing games that have struggled for a variety of reasons. The Cardinals didn't have John Brown. I think that changes what they can do as far as stretching the field. It's a lot of different things that I think led to that game being a disappointment. But league-wide, it just seems like no one cares. It, it, it's obviously not the case, but I don't know. Like The, the mistakes being made around the league mm-hmm. feel like they're happening at an unprecedented sort of level. Quarterbacks just missing throws that you wouldn't expect, turnovers, dumb penalties. like All of the above seem to be peaking at an right. all-time high, and maybe the numbers don't back it up but it just seems as though things have never been more sloppy yeah. league-wide yeah it's like i said to you before we we hit record here it's like it's not like we're looking around and saying like wow there's just great defenses all over the league you know nobody can score and, and you know these games are so ugly because everyone's playing such good d no it's like the opposite is these games are so ugly because every team is missing routine throws and can't run the ball and it's just it's gross i don't know i mean who's who right now is like playing the most aesthetically pleasing football? Like for me, it's a team that was on by this week. It's probably Dallas, Dallas, Atlanta. Yeah, New England is playing well. Like they're they're fine. Right, New England. Yeah, New England's fine. New England's the one team that hasn't really missed a beat. But you know, like you you even said before, like you're not convinced that this is like a great great New England team. Like in in the context of the 2016 NFL, it is, but. I don't know that this Patriots team, you know, is as dominant a couple of years ago. If you know, if you were to put them in a time machine, you know, as they are against the current state of the league. Um, but I mean, every week when we preview these games on Thursdays, you know, it just feels like we go through and just say like, Ugh, Redskins, Lions, yuck, Bills, Dolphins, oh god, Ravens, Jets. Like, there's just like it's unappealing matchup after unappealing matchup, and they they kind of have all lived up to the hype. So, I was starting to think about this in the context of just the globe entirely and 2016 does feel like one of the worst years in a long time i mean (laughs) just general years like just like like all time like if if you were trying to say worst year in human history at least for the 32 different years i've been alive like it's the worst one i can remember and i'm not i'm not trying to be the guy that's just like angry and and sad about things it's just like you think about uh some of the important people that have died this year right you know prince and david bowie and like those those types of like in in, in pop culture we've had big losses in sports we've had big losses uh, in, in american politics we have a 
just a disaster on our hands That's for the, the election. Thing. Yeah, I mean, like, every, I think every year we lose a lot of you know, you talent, lose you lose you lose famous people, type of people every right? year, but it just it it seems. The election like, is just the, the, the cake. The, the election, like the, like the real, like, I mean, people passing away is always sad, but right. the election itself, I think, also has this sort of dystopian feel right. to it that it makes really everything like, seem terrible. I, there was a commercial, I don't know if it's, you know, local, regional, whatever, uh, an attack ad on Hillary Clinton that aired during the Jags game yesterday, which was, you know, just adding insult to injury. And, you know, I, I turned to my friend who I was watching the game with, and, like, we both were like, this seems like like a fake ad that you would see in like a, a dystopian type of movie, you know, it was just so, it's so bizarre to see what's, what's happening there, but we'll save that for the Rotowire politics podcast. Yes. The, uh, the, the, the Rotowire, the Hill podcast. Uh, interestingly enough, someone has written an article about this over at, at slate. Uh, Rebecca Olson wrote a piece back in July about this. And there are some years in history that are just truly awful. So to, to declare the current one, the worst ever uh, would be, overlooking some pretty significant moments in history. But I do like how in her column, she brings back uh, circa 72,000 BC when rock and magma were hurled continental distances. When you think about it that way, 2016 is not that bad. And and watching lousy NFL games uh, on Sunday doesn't seem like the end of the world. No, that's true. And I mean, I'm no closer to just not watching the NFL than I was, you know, at any other time in my life. Like it, it's still ugly football, but at the end of the day, I would much rather watch ugly football over whatever else is on at that time. The right. good thing though is the NBA starts tomorrow, which I know you probably care considerably less about than I do. Uh, but that didn't show in our in our fantasy draft last night. Um, it didn't. Like you, you thought that I went in there with like a- other than your team name. Uh, no, I thought you were. You were a great presence in the chat. I don't think I was a great presence at all I think last night. I think the most valuable thing I did last night was mix up apple cider and bourbon. Again. Oh, you were serious about that? That's my fall drink that I, I came Is up with. Is it alcoholic apple cider? No, it's just like the oh. good, it's a good like farmer's market sure, apple sure, cider sure. With, with like probably two shots of bourbon on ice. Like it's a nice, nice drink, nice fall drink. I yeah, recommend it. I, uh, I, I st- I stuck with a medley of beers on Saturday. A medley, um, Ham's Light. Well, yeah, I had basically what happens uh, last weekend. We had a bunch of friends in town for the big Ohio State game, and they all left all of their crappy beer at our apartment. So it started off with a little appetizer of a couple hams. It was actually Ham's Premium, uh, and then switched over to Michelob Golden bottle um, or can can. Ooh, ooh, yeah, and uh, finished out with some Labats. Labats. Is it Labatt's? I think it's Labatt's. Okay, Labatt's, Labatt's, uh, Canadian, the Canadian special. <laughs> the Canadian. Oh, also, I have another hams-related story. I was sitting on my balcony uh, the other night, you know, just minding my own business, which overlooks University Avenue downtown. Uh, it's a pretty busy street, and somebody's walking, innocent guys walking with a case of hams. And, you know, I basically wanted to stand up and give him a round of applause uh, for the great purchase that he just made. Uh, but just as I was about to do that, the, the case just like explodes in his hands out of nowhere. Oh, no. The beer goes everywhere. <laughs> One of the cans rolls out in the middle of the road and a van comes and just slams it. Like beer exploded everywhere. There's like a huge like uh, high velocity splatter mark over the sidewalk where the, where the hams uh, passed away. Absolute uh, crime scene in right. front of and your like, apartment. My first instinct was to just jump off the balcony and go gather up the cans and run back. But uh, but no, the, the good the good soldier that he was, collected the other 29 cans, shoved them back in the box, and went on his way. Wow. Uh, so you were going to go and take some of the beers that <laughs> rolled away hey, and just keep domain, them as your right? own? Yeah. 
it's cold. That's really cold. I mean, things got pretty bleak for me over the weekend, and maybe that's part of the reason why I'm I'm just a little down today. And I mean, I was at Cracker Barrel oh, oh God. on Sunday morning, which is not a good time oh, to go. No. Um, they're, they're busy on Sunday mornings. And I don't think I've ever been to Cracker Barrel. It, you know, it's not. It's really not that bad, but. It's just not a place that I would choose to go. My, my parents were on their way to a winery nearby. They called up and said, hey, come meet us for breakfast. So, all right, sure. I'll, I'll go have breakfast with my parents. Spend, it's about spending the time, right? right? Well, I saw a jersey at the Cracker Barrel, not for <gasps> sale. They sell pretty much everything right. at the Cracker Barrel. You can get two pounds of Sour Patch Kids in one corner. You can get a Christmas tree in the other. Uh, signature rocking chairs, of course, out front. Uh, giant checkerboards, uh, desktop air hockey for your office, pretty much whatever you need at the Cracker Barrel General Store. They have everything, Nick. But I saw a PJ Hill jersey at Cracker Barrel this weekend. Name on the back? No, it was a red Wisconsin one without the name. People forget how good PJ Hill was in college and how bad he was outside of college. Yeah, well, I mean, I think his his heroics are, are only really known in this right 77 square mile area i wonder what he's up to these days i mean he just kind of followed in the long line of wisconsin running backs who disappear off the face of the earth after they graduate yeah yeah he, he really did uh dog memes were big this weekend there was a <laughs> they ever? golden retriever that had a smile on its face that got properly memed that made me happy when i saw that that made me feel better about the, the highlight of the weekend it's up there um uh, Actually, the, the blueberry pancakes at Cracker Barrel were really good, and I've been ragging on pancakes for a while now, so solid uh, comeback weekend for pancakes. Uh, Halloween ideas? You've got a few ideas, I think, no, for your I trip don't. to Lambeau? I, no, 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 no ideas at all. I, I love the holiday of Halloween. I hate dressing up for Halloween. It, you're always, it's always tough to find that sweet spot between like you know fun, clever costume that you put effort into and not you know wearing something that makes you look like a complete idiot for the rest of the weekend, you know? Right. Like if you're painting up your face, if you're wearing like a scary mask, like no girl wants to see that. Like you got, you need to find a medium where they're like, Oh, I I respect your costume, but you still look like a normal person. So, okay. For me, that's LeBron James. So so you like Halloween, but you hate the dress up aspect of Halloween. So what exactly do you really like about it? Uh, the candy. That's one big candy guy. Okay. The candy. Um, that exists on other days. That's about it. You know, I I don't know. I enjoyed trick or treating as a kid. Uh, glad to be done with that portion of my life. I don't, do you still go trick or treating? I don't have kids. No, I'm not I'm asking. Like, do you go? No. Okay. All right. Do you? Good. No, of course not. Well, why would I go then? I don't. Just making sure you don't go. I don't know. I mean, if you said yes, we would have had to talk about that. It's ridiculous. All right. So you were at Lambeau Field. I was on Thursday night. You got to witness a pretty ugly first half before things opened up a bit for the Packers. And uh, a big part of the struggle for the bears, of course, was that Brian Hoyer got hurt in that game. Did, did you, were, were you inspired by anything you saw at Lambeau on Thursday night? Oh, uh, and, and did you ever, how did you decide on what you were going to wear? I know the, oh, the listeners right. were, were very concerned when, concerned when you weren't sure last week about how you were going to dress for this game. Well, yeah, that's a good question. So I ended up playing it, playing it safe. I went neutral. I wore a, a Wisconsin Rose bowl, uh, crew neck sweatshirt you know went badgers you know everybody you know that's kind of an acceptable thing to wear there it's like you know i didn't want to i didn't want to jump ship from the jags and go and wear like packers gear although i will say i did stop at a i stopped at a resale shop on the way home in appleton 
uh, thinking I could maybe pick up like a cool vintage Packers sweatshirt. No dice. They had they had nothing. Terrible selection. Um, but I, I won't name the store. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to run them out of business here. That's really, really kind of you. Right. Yeah. I mean, always kindness first, but no, yeah. So I went, I went with the Badger sweatshirt and, and a vest over it, you know, so I basically just kept it real neutral. Didn't want to start anything. I brought the Leftwich jersey with me. I uh, rode to the game with, with two of my friends and, and his mom was actually kind enough to drop us off, which was nice of her. Um, <laughs> what? What do you mean? What are you? T- <laughs> she went to the game with us. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she okay. She didn't just pull up to the parking no, lot, drop no. you guys off in the minivan. And no, she was like, back "I'll be much more responsible." Quarter. I don't. It was basically like, "I'll drive you guys. You're coming with me." Type of situation. Um, so I didn't. Basically, I didn't want to embarrass her. She was. Uh, she's a member of the Packers board, and she probably didn't want to be seen with you know her her son, his his you know friend wearing a Packers jersey, and then the guy in a Byron Leftwich Jags jersey at a Bears Packers game. That's a good connection. You get to, you know someone on the board. That's yeah. uh, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was it was nice. The tickets were good. Um it was a fun game. I mean, it was it was vintage 2016 Packers for the first half uh and then close to vintage 2014 Packers in the second half. Um I'm just glad to see Rodgers uh, you know, kind of getting the the green light, I guess, to air it out. Was it fifty six times? I think he threw the ball. Yeah, uh, we all predicted that Devonte Adams would tie the team record for single game receptions. Uh, mm-hmm. I certainly did when I dropped him for Marquise Lee. Hey, Marquise Lee, at Marquise least had Lee had a, good had a game. great week. Yeah, yeah. He, had a, he had the best game of his career. So, you know, I guess Devonte Adams probably did as well. Uh, maybe a lateral move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a lateral move at best, but probably still a mistake because yeah. if you look at the state of the Jags offense, which we, we oh. will, we're, we're going to get to the games. We're really just delaying the inevitable. And trust me, this, hopefully this, this, whatever this is, is more entertaining than our assessment of the debacles that were Sunday's games. The Jacksonville offense is atrocious because Blake Bortles has somehow just taken this big step back. Like he's yeah. kind of split the difference between 2014 and 2015 and based on what people were paying and the expectations we had for Allen Robinson in particular, that is a uh, big blow to those who were relying on him as kind of a mid-range QB1 going into the season. Maybe maybe he got lucky and got Mariota or somebody as a QB2 who's been good enough to play over Blake Bortles, but that has been one of the bigger surprises for me of the year. And in this week's game, that game against the Raiders set up a lot like the game's last season where the Raiders had a pretty big lead at halftime. I thought, okay, this is fine. I got this Jag stack going on DraftKings. Bortles will get a lot of volume in the second half. Robinson can go off. Maybe Chris Ivory plunges in for a short TD. You know, Duvall's going to get really fired up. By the fourth quarter, this game's going to be tied. And maybe even the Jags can eclipse 30 points. And absolutely... Boy, were you wrong. None of those things happen. No. I'm, I'm not... I'm going to follow the lead of our Chris Benzine with DFS, I'm going to do the simple chalky thing. Like I trip myself up in DFS all the time, trying to outsmart everybody. No need to. Everybody is going to outsmart themselves for you. Yep. Just go out there and, and play a simple game. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tee off with three wood. I'm going to go 200 right down the middle of the fairway instead of 275 into the deep rough. And that's how I'm going to handle DFS going forward. That's honestly probably the best way to go about it. I got burned by Robinson for probably the fifth time already this year uh, in our Rotowire FanDuel contest. 
Yeah, I mean, to kind of go back to your original comparison, if you're looking at you know Marquise Lee versus Devontae Adams, which everybody around the league is doing, obviously, um, you know, you'd still with with Green Bay at least, you know, the offense hasn't looked great, but it's looked like six times better than the Jaguars' offense. And with Aaron Rodgers, you still have the touchdown potential. With Devontae Adams, he's not going to have 13 catches probably ever again in his career. Uh, but even if he only catches two or three balls, there's a much better chance that one of those goes for a touchdown than, you know, even if Marquise Lee catches four or five balls. So, I mean, I had the pleasure of watching that entire Jags Raiders game yesterday. Um, I, this Jaguars offense is a bottom three in terms of scheme, in terms of execution. Uh, the Raiders defense, you know, basically was the worst in the league against the pass. And, they could not get anything going. It's missed throw after missed throw for Bortles, forcing throws. I mean, even the touchdown to Julius Thomas should have been picked. I mean, Julius Thomas single-handedly ripped that out of a defender's hands. It was a terrible throw. Bortles thought it was picked as soon as he released it. You could tell by his reaction. Um, so this, I mean, this team is very, very much broken. And those wins over over Indy and Chicago, I think, speak to how, how bad those teams are, rather than how comp- excuse me how competent the Jags are. Let's let's just delve deeper into the mind of a Jags fan. And by doing that, I want to ask you this. Can Blake Bortles have a Kurt Cousins-type turnaround in the second half? I mean, think about where Kurt Cousins was in the first half of 2015, before his you-like-that moment. Like, can, can Bortles, is he capable of that with the weapons there? I mean, if the Jags were to sack Gus Bradley, which you can really only do in soccer, but I think the Jags can sack a head coach the way a football club sacks a manager. I would love to see that happen. Yeah, I mean, I think... That's what I think needs to happen. I don't don't see Bortles on his own, or I don't trust this coaching staff to figure something out. You know, if you can't pass the ball against the Oakland Raiders, I don't know who you can do it against. That's that's the thing, is I, I thought even with the flaws of the Jags, that Oakland's defense was bad enough that at home, no less... Jacksonville's offense could be productive and I was wrong because the skills are not there would a coaching change do that we've seen players have bad half seasons before only to hit a point in the schedule where things open up maybe there is a coordinator change or that point is now for the Jaguars in the schedule well yeah I mean this this past week was the sweet spot I mean the Bears and the Raiders coming out of the bye that's right. as good as it gets. Now they go at Tennessee. They've actually been a pretty good defense this Thursday year. Thursday night. Can't wait. Can't wait for that, that color rush debacle. Uh, at KC in week nine, home against Houston, at Detroit, at Buffalo, home against Denver, home against Minnesota, at Houston, at, uh, home against Tennessee. It's not a good that schedule. Denver, that Denver game might be the first time we ever see an NFL team score negative points. It's possible. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I can't rule anything out this year given where things have gone. But the schedule doesn't open up enough t- for me to think that Bortles is going to have that mm-hmm. second-half turnaround. No, I, nothing that I've seen. You know, I've, I've again, probably watched way more Jaguars than just about anybody uh, outside of Jacksonville, which is not something I would advise, especially this year. I, there's nothing to, that suggests that, you know, there's just a minor tweak, you know, that, you know, receivers are dropping balls or anything like that. Although Allen Robinson has dropped a couple uh, very questionable uh, passes over the last few weeks, that that hasn't been the issue. It's just it, it just seems like this team is prepared to go three and out every time they start a series, and that's been the case more often than not. So you have Allen Robinson in the stake league, don't sure you? Sure do. Yep. What what is he worth? Like other receivers right now, like one for one receivers that you would accept if someone offered you a receiver for Allen Robinson. 
what would it be? What would you take back? Yeah, I mean, you're kind of assuming it would be a player that we would have viewed as a lesser receiver at the beginning of the year. Yeah, um, which, which was the overwhelming. I mean, there were only three or four receivers ranked ahead of Allen Robinson. Like for most six people. times fewer points this past week than Tavon Austin. That was cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, do you would you take him for like Ty? Would you take him for Ty's got 21 more targets now right. on the season. Yeah, I don't. That's what I mean. That's like Marvin Jones, like those type of guys. You know, do you at what point do you just say the quarterback situation, the offense situation is so bad that you know Allen Robinson's? I mean, Mike Evans is looking like far and away, you know, the much much better investment this year than, than Allen Robinson. And I think consensus wise, you know, Evans was probably going two or three receivers behind Allen Robinson in drafts. Yep, that was the case in many of the drafts that that I was in. Uh, with Robinson, I, I mean, I'm looking at our site right now. We've got him as the number seven wide receiver on the cheat sheet. I think he's going to fall because it's just not there. Hopkins is in a similar boat. He yep. plays tonight, so he'll get other games of the production in uh, before you know people start really evaluating trades in more detail. But Elshon Jeffrey, even 55 targets, 32 catches, 520 yards. I mean, that's a 224 yard difference between. Yep. Robinson and Elshon Jeffrey right now. Maybe the the injuries to the Bears quarterbacks. If we don't get Jay Cutler back this week, you know, having Matt Barkley starting games, that's maybe enough to still prefer Robinson. Mm-hmm. But that gap to me is closing if Cutler is back. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders versus Allen Robinson that's is a, a legitimate it, toss up right now. Yeah, it's it's tough. The state of Jaguars nation is not good. Would you use Robinson, would you split him into two receivers as opposed to going one for one? Like if you're on a team where you don't have three receivers you like, do you flip Robinson to an optimistic owner trying to to buy low and take back a, a Jeremy Macklin plus a Randall Cobb or a Macklin plus a, a Marvin Jones? Yeah, I mean, if those are the players you're getting, sure. I, don't, I mean, do you think you could even get both those guys for Robinson at this point? That's the question. I think you should try. I, I, I yeah. think if, if you have them right now, it, that's your best move. If you don't have good receiver yeah. depth, Waiting for him to bounce back could be a mistake. Trading him now, you will still have owners who are willing to pay a lot. And if you get two players back and upgrade two roster spots in a league like the Stake League where total points matters, you're better off in the long run, barring some kind of massive turnaround from Robinson, right. who talent-wise I thought was deserving of being a top-five receiver. I'm, I'm blown away at just how bad the, the, they've the been. The big plays haven't been there. I mean, where so much of his value came last year, and maybe this means we should have seen it coming, was you know he had 12 more catches of 20-plus yards than anyone else in the NFL last season. And maybe we should have seen that and thought, okay, maybe these yardage totals were a little bit artificially inflated. You know, the, That kind of deep ball proficiency isn't really replicable you know, in back-to-back years. Let's run through the other games as, uh, as briefly as we can, because I, I know the listeners have already just been like, this, this is a terrible podcast. I'm not even going to listen to the whole thing. Uh, Giants-Rams, Todd Gurley, disappointment. Odell Beckham, disappointment. He's got the hit pointer going into the week. Uh, those two teams off, of course, having played in London this weekend. Case Keenum throws four picks, gets a vote of confidence from Jeff Fisher afterwards. Uh, Tavon Austin played well this week, as you mentioned before. This is not helping to grow the game overseas like it's, it's not working at all yeah i mean it's hard to say i mean they they do well attendance wise in these games don't they i mean i don't i don't have a great pulse on the london uh football americano scene uh but yeah it does seem like we no matter who gets sent over there it's just a recipe for bad football no matter what and um 
I, I know the Rams, I think, got to London like several days before the Giants to, to make sure they were prepared and ready and everything's good sleep-wise. And then Keenum comes out and, and throws four picks, gets sacked three times. And how is this game even as close as it was when, when you're you know, turning the ball over at that, at that type of rate? I mean, the Giants still can't run it, even though no. Rashad Jennings found the end zone. 13 carries, 25 yards, less than two yards per carry, along with five. Uh, Paul Perkins carried four times for 12 yards. Maybe there's he a, erupted for 12 yards. He really did, including a 10-yard rumble. So maybe we see more Paul yeah. Perkins coming out of the bye. Eli was below 200 yards, even though he threw it 37 times. The Rams didn't have a sack. They forced a fumble of Larry Donnell and recovered that. But Todd Gurley has ugh. not scampered for more than 20 yards all year. He doesn't have a 20-yard carry. Yard rush. He's the only player, at, coming into this game, he was the only player in the top 20 in the league in rushing that didn't have at least a 20-yard rush. What are you doing if you're a girly owner right it's now? It's bad. There are, there, are no, there are so few quality running backs that people are able to trade because the position's been drying up, more timeshares, injuries, all the typical factors that we're, we're looking at. I like him as a buy low because of the volume, and time and time again, it's the same offense as last year he caught six passes that's a really good sign they Mm -hmm. keep using him as a receiver trying to get him out in space the Todd Gurley rebound to me seems more likely than the Allen Robinson rebound right now by comparison if we're talking about two guys who were going early to mid Mm -hmm. first round back in August early September I would expect Gurley to come back to 2015 levels as a more likely outcome than Robinson doing that yeah, and even if he doesn't get there, the floor is still quite a bit higher with Gurley. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't know what did Robinson finish with like two catches for nine yards or something. Like at least with Gurley, like even when he has a game like this, you know, he still got to almost sixty yards. You know, he still has those six catches. Like he's not going to completely, completely tank you. You know, obviously considering the investment, especially in season long, um, you you want to get you know, quite a bit more out of him, but his baseline is still quite a bit higher than than a slumping receiver like Hopkins or Robinson. So. It is tough, though, like you said, if you're going to flip Gurley, like, there just aren't that many running backs that are that much better than him right now. You know, like, if you have Todd Gurley, you're still like, doing okay because at least you're not starting you know, some combination of Orleans, Darkwa, and you know, Paul Perkins, whoever it is. Like, it's, you just kind of have no choice but to really wait it out. I, I don't know, unless you have a big Georgia Bulldogs fan in your league, I, I don't know that you're really looking to deal Gurley right now because there's not really much sign that he's getting close to turning this around. I and mean, we're seven weeks into the season, and this has happened basically all seven weeks. We've got a, a big Georgia Bulldogs fan in our stake league, and uh, he's the guy that who might be the time plaid pants and he needs to make a move coats. True. Who has Gurley in that league? DJ, I think. Yeah, he paid a ton I to think get him, I think he has Gurley and Bell, I believe. That was his strategy, right. and it looked, it looked like it, based on how the season started, it seemed smart, and... I mean, Gurley, three yards per carry on the season. Uh, 21 carries, though, inside the red zone. How many players think have more red zone rushes than Todd Gurley? I feel like Melvin Gordon has to be up there. He's got 10 touchdowns, and they all seem like they've been like one or two yard runs. He's tied with David Johnson for the most carries inside the 20. Carlos Hyde has 24. LeGarrette Blunt has 23. And Gurley is still fifth at 21. It, It seems an obvious by low. The only concern you have is that quarterback play is so bad that offensive efficiency is mm-hmm. is a problem. And with that, teams can continue to load the box against the run. 
but 134 carries thus far. It's got the week eight buy. Trading for players in the buy, as we know, you can often get a slight discount because the owner that has them has nothing else right. anyway. Like Would you trade week. Gurley like straight up for Jay Ajayi right now? I'd rather have Gurley than Ajayi. But I think so too. But the, the question's not ridiculous. It was a ridiculous. Jay Ajayi has 13 more fantasy points on the season in our stake league than Gurley does. Yeah, back to back 200 yard games for Jay Ajayi. He's got five rushing yeah. scores. Gurley has three. Uh, it's, what a smart pickup by whoever grabbed him, you know, in, in stake. Yeah. Can't remember who it was, but mm. man, what a mind. Somebody, somebody really cashed in. <laughs> I had used all my fab to get Jarek McKinnon a few weeks back. That may have been a mistake. Uh, but he did have the Harambe tribute cleats on. That's so true. I guess that's a redeeming quality. Uh, Saints Chiefs, Spencer Ware, 131 yards from scrimmage and a score. Jamal Charles active, but one carry. Why did he play if his knee was a problem? Know. They I, reported this going into the weekend. I, I don't understand the the desire to expose him to injury at all and right. then to only put him out there for one carry especially when you have other capable options spencer ware being a very capable option and, and even charkandrick west you know who, who proved himself for several weeks last season yeah there's really no reason for it um it was a little bit odd i i just don't you know if you're the chiefs this is your most dynamic offensive player when healthy like why it, it's one thing to have him active and not play but like why even the one carry very puzzling uh, indeed rare big road game from drew Brees, 37 to 48 367 three tds and a pick uh willie sneed was good michael thomas was good brandon cooks was good everybody but fleener really and uh mark ingram with another disappointing game uh coughed up a fumble very costly fumble for the saints in this matchup colts titans ty hilton goes off in a tough spot jack doyle nine for 78 in his score delaney walker bounces back demarco murray continues to roll pretty much everything in this game one is planned albeit with ty hilton a bit more productive than i would have expected based on what the titans have done against opposing passing games this season yeah i mean what can you say about this america's division matchup um luck looked really good you know 353 yards three touchdowns no picks only was sacked twice this is a, a titans defense that had 12 sacks over the last two games uh, going up against you know arguably the worst offensive line in the league so uh, a good job by the indianapolis front five to protect andrew luck um this was yeah this was a kind of a gross one though overall as you alluded to outside of ty hilton uh, i don't think there were a ton of jack doyle owners out there um i i don't know i don't have much to say about this one to be honest i don't i don't like talking about uh, afc south outside of the jags this is going to be a recurring theme throughout this uh this episode vikings eagles the sam bradford return to philadelphia uh garbage time td for cordell patterson yep. like that's about as good as it gets for minnesota's offense in this one stevon Diggs very quiet again makes you wonder just how much of a problem that groin injury truly is for him and given the way their season has gone it's probably like a bad like sports hernia core repair problem that's actually in play as opposed to like a typical groin strain as they might have suggested a few weeks ago yeah i I don't really have any any insider info on that but you would have thought coming out of the bye you know that would have helped quite a bit he missed the game before the bye week um but yeah you got to wonder you know what if he's going to be hampered at all going forward and if he is they you know cordero patterson like you said got into the end zone but i mean he might be their most dynamic offensive weapon if, if stefan Diggs is limited or or misses any more time might be a little by low window right now and jordan matthews three yep. catches on 10 four targets for 10 yards uh, doriel green beckham scored in this one for the eagles he was on the receiving end of carson wentz's only a td pass 
Uh, Asiata McKinnon's sharing carries 12 and 11. McKinnon got dinged up, though, with an ankle injury. That may have been a factor as far as how those carries were distributed. Uh, Eagles defense continues to play well. Uh, picking off Bradford once, sacking him six times. Bradford fumbled four times, lost two. A uh, very ugly game, though. I mean, the first the first seven drives of this game are three and out punt, six and out punt, pick, pick, fumble, fumble, pick, punt, punt. So if you want to go up to the first nine. Give the people what they want. Browns, Bengals, Kevin Hogan, fifth quarterback now this season for the Browns. 104 rushing yards and a TD, 12 for 24, 100 yards through the air, two picks. Uh, Terrell Pryor, hamstring injury. Two catches for 18 yards on four targets. Jeremy Hill explodes with a 74-yard TD run. Nine for 168, and that score. Geo had 17 for 80 and a score. Hill got banged up late in this one, so keep an eye on that as this week uh, rolls along. A.J. Green pulled in a Hail Mary at halftime, finished with eight catches, 169 yards, and a score. The Browns, I just I just feel bad for Cleveland. They keep hanging around, though. It's like There's no reason they should be in any of these games and they kind of they kind of are i mean they lose this one by two touchdowns um but you know this wasn't a complete blowout i mean it was it was 21 17 you know at the at the start of the start of the second half after cleveland got in the end zone but this quarterback situation is getting i mean even by brown standards it's getting comical i, I, I saw a tweet i forget who it was uh yesterday that, that basically said like the brown should start announcing their next quarterback once someone goes down like a surprise like royal rumble guest you know like who knows who it is like no one ever like i had no idea kevin hogan was even you know in the nfl let alone on the cleveland browns roster like who's gonna be next if cody kessler's out and hogan gets hurt who might we see you never know you never know and it's uh it's one of those things where i'm, I'm surprised that they continue to hang around as much as they have uh the the hail mary at halftime proved to be kind of a, a big play just as far as keeping that that distance between these two right. teams uh, in this particular game need a website why not do it yourself with wix.com no matter what business you're in wix.com has something for you used by more than 84 million people worldwide wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today you need to get the word out about your business and it all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from and the drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to WIX.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Just got an email from Spotify, and it makes me wonder if you might have hacked my Spotify account. Subject reads as follows. New music from Drake, colon, listen now. Listen now. Let's put it on. No. Do you not know? I mean, yeah, Drake dropped, I think, three or four new songs late last night um, on OVO Sound Radio, which I'm sure you're a, a frequent listener to. Um, so you haven't heard him yet? No. Okay, well, he, he apparently went at Pusha T, uh, who's another rapper, uh, not a guy that you really want to call out in, in any rap, so that's going to be very interesting to see how that turns out. Did you say Pusha T? Pusha T. I uh, assume formerly that, of Clips. That's a, 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 like a tennis nickname? I don't think he plays a ton of tennis um he's a he's a he's what's known as a coke rapper i don't know what that means either i mean it you know kind of self-implied um but yeah i mean we'll, we'll get into that later 
Yeah, we'll have to save that for the Rotowire Rap Game podcast. Uh, let's talk Redskins, Lions, Kirk Cousins, rushing TD, 301 yards to the air, passing score. Not quite what some people expected, but good enough to uh, get the job done if you use them in season long or in DFS. Matt Jones coughed up a fumble. May have cost him his job. Lost two fumbles. Chris Thompson ended up taking on a more prominent role in this game. Yeah, I was uh, thrilled to see what, what happened with Matt Jones. Started him over Jeremy Hill. Good stuff all Ooh. around. Stake league? Um, stake league, yeah. You're just, you're just on fire right now I in stake league. absolutely killing. I did pay. I, did, I mean, Ajayi gave me a big game. Still not going to be enough, I don't think. Uh, I need, need a big night from Bernardrick McKinney uh, on Monday Night Football to, to salvage a win over the great DJ trainer. Uh, but yeah, Matt Jones, the, the very costly fumble and pretty much was benched after that. Uh, just 27 yards for him. But how about Anquan Bolden coming through late in the game to, to secure the win for Detroit? Ageless wonder. The Lions are like kind of credible right now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In, in today's NFL, I guess that's, that's an endorsement. They're at least actually a, a decent watch. Yeah, they are. By comparison. Like if you were ranking NFL teams based on watchability right now, the Lions probably fall somewhere between like mm-hmm. eighth and twelfth on the list. I mean, sure. I really don't feel strongly about any teams in, in the NFL. Watching any teams in the NFL right now. I mean, the Lions really had no business winning this game, and they possessed the ball for ten minutes fewer. They ran twenty fewer plays. You know, they trailed in total yardage, trailed in passing, rushing, uh, just about every metric. Seven fewer first downs, uh, and yet all it took was a, a late drive and a strike to Anquan Bolden. Deshaun Jackson still quiet, five for thirty-five, eight targets. Vernon Davis six for seventy-nine on six targets. Nearly found the end zone on one of those receptions as well. Uh, Jamison Crowder seven for one hundred eight on nine targets. Crowder's role continues uh, to grow, but Chris Thompson twelve for seventy-three on the ground, plus seven for forty on seven targets as a pass catcher. He's an intriguing player. He's undersized, but the kind of player that, if they were to give him that workload, does have RB two potential based on how much he can contribute as a pass catcher out of the backfield and how explosive he can be with big plays. For the Lions, you mentioned the Anquan Bolden touchdown. Golden Tate nearly had two, six for 93, 12 targets. Marvin Jones, four for 94 on five targets. Uh, Josh Norman left this game with a concussion. Another solid performance, though, from Matthew Stafford, 266 through the air, 9.2 yards per attempt, had the TD to Bolden when it mattered the most, and did it on a day where the Lions really didn't do a ton with their running game. No, not much at all. We, we saw the great Zach Zenner get into the end zone. Uh, but, I mean, Golden Tate's kind of back now. Golden maybe? Tate is back. Golden Tate, I think, might be back. He's partially Officially back. Officially back. Uh, it's good to see the target volume, you know, getting back up there with 12. You only caught six of those. Not great from an efficiency standpoint. But, um, yeah, I think you feel much, much better as a Golden Tate owner after these last two weeks than you did through the first five might be pushing back up to like wide receiver two status based on what we've seen yeah. uh, these last couple games. We talked about the Jags earlier on the Raiders side. The couple things that really stood out to me, I was wrong again about Crabtree versus Cooper, but wrong about that. Crabtree absolutely season. abused Prince of Mukamara for the entirety of the afternoon. It was brutal. Yeah, not a, not a good day for Prince of Mukamara. Uh, Latavius Murray, 18 carries, two scores, 59 yards on the ground. The workload finally ticked back up and... I feel a lot better about him today than I would have going into the game yesterday. Is that enough for you to look at Murray as an RB2 again? I, I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, especially when you look at, you know, the Raiders ran the ball 34 times and, uh, you know, 
Washington only had five of those carries. Jalen Richard only had one carry. You know, it wasn't. This was a game where they led quite a bit. Um, you know, and, and obviously wanted to run the clock out in the second half. But you know, there there wasn't that like two or three way split. You know, this was firmly you know uh, Latavius Murray's job at, at least this week. So yeah, I feel good about it. I mean, he wasn't ripping off any long runs. The yards per carry wasn't great. Three point three. Um, but yeah, the two touchdowns, uh, I think this is firmly his job. So I don't feel, you know, I'm not going to use him as an RB one, obviously, but I would feel better about him than, you know, Chris Thompson as an RB two. Let's talk bills. Dolphins, Tyrod Taylor, two twenty one through the air and a TD seven thirty five and a TD on the ground. LaShawn McCoy, eight carries 11 yards. I had the report on Thursday suggesting he wouldn't play. I uh, did some limited work Friday, traveled the team to Miami, was active on Sunday. We had the, the warnings from Adam Schefter saying that 25 to 30 snaps might be the limit for McCoy, but 25 to 30 snaps for LaShawn McCoy in the current landscape of NFL running backs was good enough for me in season-long leagues where I had him to go ahead and use him because I don't have four or five quality running backs on the teams where I have LaShawn McCoy. I thought, okay, 12, 14 carries might be the max, but if, if the Bills think he's healthy enough to play, I have to trust their judgment, and that proved to be a big mm-hmm. mistake. Yeah, eight carries before leaving uh, with, with aggravated that hamstring injury. And as soon as that happened, you, you kind of had to think like they probably regret throwing him out there. Um, and ultimately, in a game that they decision. lost, a game that they had in their control. Uh, I, I wouldn't say they blew the game, but you know, kind of gave one away that they probably should have won. And you know, we you know, Mike Gillisley was kind of the trendy. You know, if if McCoy goes down or if McCoy doesn't play, throw him in the lineup just five carries. I mean, it, it was a, kind of an all around ugly day for a bills offense that as we've talked about is pretty void of, of elite options, especially if it's Sean McCoy is limited. Yes. I, uh, I think this is, this is a tough way to go down. If you're the bills though, because Mike Gillisley looks like a competent backup. And if yeah. you just commit to him from the beginning, you give those eight carries you gave to McCoy to Gillisley, maybe you get a completely different outcome in this one. The Dolphins mm-hmm. made a couple big plays when they need it, but they got 214 yards from Jay Ajayi, uh, back-to-back 200-yard games. Who's on that short list again? Like O.J. Simpson. Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams and Eric Dickerson? Something like, someone no, like or, that. Or no, Tony, maybe Tony Dorsett. Earl Campbell? Something. Earl Campbell. I think it, was it, was, Campbell. it was Earl Campbell, yeah. I was trying to remember that list yeah. from hearing it a few times yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, Jay Ajayi already one of, the, one of the greatest of all time. Doing a lot to uh, make his case for Canton in these last two weeks. Uh, but certainly a player that has spiked in value based on back-to-back games where he's taken over a backfield and looked like he belongs uh, as a true, like, maybe RB1. I I had him kind of ranked along the lines of Terrence West going into this week, and Terrence West, of course, disappointed against the Jets. But thinking in terms of two teams with kind of middling offenses but plenty of volume available for the running back, that's that's what I saw in Ajayi versus West. They're not great pass catchers. They can do it, but they don't do it a lot. Ajayi, I think, with this performance, even jumped a tick higher. Jay Ajayi versus Melvin Gordon for the rest of the season. Who do you think has more value? I feel like Ajayi's due for a, a regression, right? I mean, he's not going to have a third straight 200-yard game. And, well, what you know, if he does, though? What if he does? Yeah, then, oh. then the Hall of Fame really starts, you know, comes calling. But I think I would go Melvin Gordon. This is tough because I, like they've been kind of opposites. Like, Melvin Gordon's been getting in the end zone. He leads the NFL with, with 10 rushing touchdowns, but... Yards per carry has still been down around three. Ajayi's been racking up the yardage, but you know we have a small sample size, and I think he only has what two, three total touchdowns. 
uh, over that span, which certainly isn't bad. But I think with Gordon, at least you have that safety net of, all right, they're still going to keep using him around the goal line. They really don't have any other options. Um, I mean, Miami still does have Arian Foster kind of lurking on this roster, but with the way Ajayi's played over these last two weeks, they really don't have any reason to try to make this more of an even split. No, I think at this point we can safely say that Arian Foster is irrelevant so long as Jay Ajayi is healthy. Like that's, that's the beginning and the end of it. The other thing that's interesting about Jay Ajayi, and I saw this scroll by, I wish I had hit the favorite button on it just so I could track it down quickly. But I think broken tackles wise, he has been elite in the last two weeks, like broken as many tackles in two games as some players who've been starting all year have broken all season long. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, I think this is a guy that when they signed Arian Foster, we were kind of thinking, you know, like, you know, are they, are they even going to keep Jay Ajayi? Like, is he even considered a long-term asset for them? Like, is, is he just kind of their second back that they hope can give them a few spell carries and you know, here we are. I mean, this is obviously has to be one of the bigger surprises of the fantasy season. Jay Ajayi, I think, still trending on Twitter, too, because he's been a fantasy difference maker now two weeks in a row. Last week, a lot of people missed out on it this mm-hmm. week. I think anyone who picked him up or had him, of course, threw him in their lineup, and they were rewarded in a very big way. Uh, Kenny Stills was the Dolphins receiver to have this week. Five for 100 in a TD. Landry got some volume. Wasn't great, but uh, Devontae Parker with another relatively quiet game in that Miami offense. Ravens, Jets, Joe Flacco didn't look good. Matt Forte plotted his way to 100 and a score on the ground, had 454 and a TD uh, in the receiving game. Uh, Brandon Marshall was quiet. Geno Smith left this game with a knee injury. Ryan Fitzpatrick came on in relief. I mentioned Terrence West before, eight carries, 10 yards. Ravens couldn't get anything going on the ground. And outside of Mike Wallace, who had 10 catches for 120 yards on 13 targets, the Ravens couldn't do much in the air either. No, no, they couldn't. Uh, this was a, an ugly offensive game uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, which we've kind of come to expect from them. Uh, they have the ability to play with just about any team, it seems. Uh, they can beat just about any team, and they can also lose to just about any team. Um, I mean, which which Ravens team is this? I mean, is it is it the one that started 3-0, and or is it the one that's now lost four straight to slightly better competition? I mean, those three wins came against Buffalo, uh, Cleveland and Jacksonville. I'm going to say it's the second one because I, I, so I think they were surprised or I was surprised they won early in the year the way they did. A lot of close games. Good teams just don't lose in. four games in a row under any circumstances. Correct. Uh, Bucks Niners, Jacquez Rogers, 154 on 26 carries. Peyton Barber, 12 for 84 in a TD. Mike Evans, 8 for 96, two TDs, leading the way, of course, target-wise for the Bucks. And you know, behind him, whether it's Cameron Brait or Adam Humphreys, or in this case, Russell Shepard, I never know which of those three options behind Mike Evans will be the useful yeah. player. You didn't have Russell Shepard in your lineup? Shockingly, I did not I have I think him he was going. a former like number one overall recruit. Yeah, the, one of those high school recruits that yeah. was elite that never quite panned out in college to You're the right. degree everyone expected him to. And then, of course, he just reemerges like eight years later in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, nine carries for 84 yards, but 16 for 34, 143 through the air. That's a 4.2 yards per attempt number. He fumbled twice, uh, lost one. Dewan Harris led the Niners in carries. That was a, six, a 14-0 game for the 49ers at one point. Yeah, let, let them get away or let it get away from them just a little bit. Rough time to be a Niners fan. It's too bad they uh, they let Harbaugh go. It was kind of it a seems mistake. To, yeah. in and Tom Sula. Well, yeah, Thomas Sula is really the one that got away. But Dewan Harris leading a team in carries. I know Carlos Hyde was out with the shoulder injury. 
count that as one of the things I yeah. definitely didn't see happening That's ever Packers again. Packers great Dewan Harris, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I haven't seen a Dewan Harris jersey around the area yet. I don't it see seems, enough of those. Seems like it's long overdue. Chargers-Falcons, one of the better games on the slate this week. Actually, the late part of the slate, the th- those three games were better than the, the early yeah. eight ones were uh, when you factor all the, uh, the matchups in. Tevin Coleman left with a hamstring injury. He looked really good. Melvin Gordon scored three times because that's what Melvin Gordon does now. Julio Jones still getting interfered with uh, up over 160 yards. I think on nine catches. Matt Ryan played pretty well. Falcons went for it on a crucial fourth and short in overtime. Didn't convert. Eventually lost on a Josh Lambeau field goal in overtime. Aside from the three TDs from Melvin Gordon, the Chargers get seven catches and 140 yards from Tyrell Williams. Yeah, I mean, we, we Mario and I talked on the show uh, on Friday about you know trying to decide between Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams, and I think uh, you know especially if you're playing daily, you, you kind of wanted to get one of those guys in your lineup, and 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 Williams was obviously the one to have here. Although he didn't get in the end zone, uh, Melvin Gordon though three touchdowns in this Love game. It. Love the Melvin Gordon touchdown. This, gonna, this might be an all-time bizarre season, like in terms of yards per carry to touchdown ratio. You're gonna have to take a look. Yeah, total TDs with like. 180 plus carries and right. three or like 3.3 yards per carry. Like, see who leads the league right. all time. You could probably run that on a football reference. Yeah, I'll do that later. Actually, might, you might find some really odd names that have done what Melvin Gordon has done from I'm an hoping to see standpoint. like a trunk candidate. You know that those type of guys start popping up. Maybe maybe Ruben Drones, Amos Zeroway. Oh. Uh, not that. <laughs> Don't kind bring of player. Amos Zeroway into this. Um, so let's, I mean, where, where is he at on like yardage wise? Like Melvin Gordon has 461 yards through seven games. Like assuming he plays. Assuming he plays 16 games, like he might barely top a thousand yards and have like 25 total touchdowns. I mean, if you look at him compared to other running backs right now, though, he's 12th in rushing yards. Yeah, that speaks a lot to the other running backs too. He's basically like Matt Forte, but just scoring more TDs. Yeah, I mean, he might finish. Would he finish top 10 in the MVP voting right now? No, no. Okay, no. Top 15? No. All right. I think people are looking right through it. I as they should. I just think they're like, we're, it'd be hard to name like fourteen more deserving players. He still doesn't look bad. No, he doesn't. When you watch him, I think the offensive line is bad. Like, I I can't get past yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, just just the lack of explosion, I think, is what's been disappointing. Um, you, you know, that was that was just such a, that was his calling card at Wisconsin. You know, was getting to the outside, breaking a tackle, and then it's a foot race and. Yeah, I think the offensive line, I think, plays a big role in why that hasn't really translated. I mean, NFL defense is much better than Big Ten defenses, mm-hmm. so there's, there's a speed aspect to that, too. But three carries of 20 or more yards and 138 attempts this season yeah. on pace to eclipse last year's total of six in 184 carries. The efficiency of those big plays has gone down. So a very odd year, 10 total touchdowns already for Melvin Gordon here in 2016. Patriots-Steelers, the Garrett Blunt, two TDs, 24 carries, 127 yards. Gronk, four for 93 in a score. Edelman got a lot of targets, a lot of receptions, didn't find the end zone. Uh, on the Steelers' side, you know, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, both very good. Brown got a little dinged up, took a helmet to the hip. We'll see if he's okay coming out of the bye. Landry Jones was passable, but just not good enough to win against a good New England team. Any other real takeaways, though, from this game? 
this is the first game that we've really seen Martellus Bennett be invisible um, and credit to the Steelers defense for that. Just two targets. Um, you know, Gronkowski obviously was the, the more focal point this week, four for 93 in a score. Uh, I still think these two can be productive. You know, I mean, Bennett came into this game a little bit banged up. You have to wonder if that was maybe a part of it. Um, but I mean, the New England runs enough two tight end sets. You know, they're not they're not overly talented in the receiver position where you know you're you're putting a tight end on the on the field and taking away a receiver that you want out there. Like you know, Martellus Bennett might be their, their third best receiver on this team. Um, so I think I think there's still value to be had there. I mean, I had the choice this week between Delaney Walker and Martellus Bennett, and you know, me being me, I started Martellus Bennett, but. You know, like to you, is that is that still a decision week to week, or you know, is a is a guy like Delaney Walker or a you know a Travis Kelsey, like somebody like that? Are you still you know is Bennett still in that that conversation week to week, even though he's technically the number two tight end on his own team? Still in there because matchup wise, he can present some problems. Yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't didn't really see a complete collapse coming from him either. Brady no, didn't have I mean, it's typical not high volume a attempts. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, like I said, he is the number two tight end. Like maybe this is just something you can't you're gonna have to take your lumps with that you know he's not gonna go for three touchdowns every week no that's definitely not gonna happen just throwing uh, that out there good good advice yeah. that you can't expect three tds a game from where, where else are you gonna Bennett. get that kind of that's kind of observations absolutely nowhere a uh, seahawks cardinals a 6-6 draw why did this happen i i took a break thankfully from this game to watch westworld and i missed most of the second half which in retrospect was one of the better decisions i made this weekend what bad decisions did you make this weekend? Well, I, t- I already told you about the beer medley on Saturday. Uh, watching the Jags game, that was one. Um, beer medley, Jags game. Can't think of what did else. Did the hat trick? Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure there was something in there. I Oh, I played darts at the bar. I hate playing darts. Why do you hate playing darts? I, don't like, I just don't like playing darts. Why? Because it takes too much time. It takes too much time. What do you play, like hammer? Like cricket? Cricket. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just not that fun. I'd rather you know I'd rather spend my time socializing. I don't go I don't go to the bar to play to play sports. You go to the bar to play darts. And then come sport. here to play no darts. So yeah, I mean it cuts into your time perusing the bar for lady folk. No, that's not what I said at all. Socializing with my friends. That's that's why you go to the bar. Yeah, that's why anybody goes to a bar. I guess. I guess that's that's the reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Johnson piled up a lot of yards in this game, which in a, a tough matchup against a good Seattle team just gives you an idea of how good David Johnson truly yeah. is. I mean, David Johnson versus Le'Veon Bell, if we're drafting today for the rest of the season, to me is a coin flip when you account for mm-hmm. Big Ben probably missing more time coming out of the bye for the Steelers yeah. and the Steelers spending less time in the red zone as a result. Yeah, I, I think I would still lean slightly toward Bell, but you're right. I mean, it's definitely a it's definitely a consideration. Um, just the fact that this, I mean, the Steelers' offense hasn't exactly been a world beater, you know, throughout the season. But the fact that Arizona has looked pretty broken for I feel like more than fifty percent of the year to me is still a little bit of a concern. But if you're just talking like pure talent standpoint, you know, kind of in a vacuum, David Johnson might be the most talented running back in the league, and that's saying a lot when you're comparing him to a guy like Bell. Yeah, at least in that conversation, it, it was a big three at running back coming into the year with the Rams really just struggling yeah. to uh, make Todd Gurley productive uh, we're really seeing bell versus mm-hmm. johnson in the tier of their own at the running back position at this time if jay ajayi wants to be in that tier we'll see if we can get there in the next couple of weeks that's going to wrap things up for the rotowire fantasy football podcast jake and eric are back with you with a waiver wire episode on tuesday <laughs>